Final Whistle Weekly with ex-Spurs and England football international Gary Stevens, powered by Tybeza.com and Inspire Media. Welcome to The Final Whistle, a weekly football show recorded here in Thailand. You can listen to The Final Whistle on Tyvisa.com, Dan About Thailand, Inspire and FM Radio throughout Thailand. I'm Jonathan Fairfield and joining me as always is ex-Spurs and England defender Gary Stevens. We've got something a bit different this week. Gary, where are you? Well, I've uh, taken a trip back to England. Um, I try and do it once or twice a year, catch up with my family, my mother, my sister, my two daughters, a few friends. So yes, we're doing this uh, across the miles, should we say today. Yeah, the wonders of the internet, eh? It sounds like we're sat next to each other in the studio. If anything, it, it probably sounds better. It might catch on this internet thing, what do you reckon? I think he's got a chance. Uh, maybe we could invest in it, or are we too late? Yeah, maybe. Uh, this week I want to dive straight in with the Champions League final then, and and, uh, and you also visited Spurs' new stadium. If we start with a final, Saturday night, or early hours of Sunday morning here in Thailand, Liverpool beat Spurs 2-0 to win the Euro- European Champions League. Uh, Mo Salah and Dave Okarigi with the goals. Uh, first off, Gary, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, overall, I was really disappointed. I thought it was a, a, a very average game. Um, earlier on in the week I'd watched the Europa League final between Arsenal and Chelsea in Baku and that was extremely average um, and the Champions League followed it. I, I don't know why it was. Um, you know, Some people have said well the fact that uh, neither Liverpool or Spurs had played for the best part of three weeks mm-hmm. since the end of the league season, whether that had contributed to it but I just felt that both sides were a little bit sluggish, both sides were lacking in energy. It, it had a pace, um, the game had a pace of almost like a pre-season game I thought and I think that is because of the big break. Well I think it contributed um, to it definitely. You know some people said well you know the, the break actually enabled Spurs in particular to, to get a couple of players fit for the game um, and you could argue it was to the advantage of Liverpool as well because Firmino was able to recover from an injury as well. But I, I, you know, I look back to my playing days, and you know, people say, well, you know, you used to have to play a lot of games as they do today. You know, surely that's really tiring, and it could, you can get jaded. But likewise, I always enjoyed lots of games because then in between the games you didn't train too much, and um, I just felt that both sides looked as if they'd come off the training park. Um, and they weren't up to match speed, they yeah. were just off the pace. Yeah, yeah, I thought that. What did you make of the decision to start Harry Kane, given that he'd just come back from injury? Well, I, I had said beforehand on a couple of interviews, and I think we touched on it the last time we spoke, I said that I felt that if Harry Kane was fit, he should start. And the reason I said that was because you know, he is such an influential figure within the Spurs side. He is their top goal scorer consistently. Um, and I think even if he doesn't score you a goal, he generally affects the game. But it would only be if the sports scientists and the, and the stats men at the club who monitor all the players every day in training said that he was roughly where he needed to be to perform. Um, as it happens, virtually nobody appeared to be where they needed to be to perform. Yeah, it was the same for a lot of the Liverpool players as well, like you say, they were all a bit, they were all a bit sluggish. I mean, uh, Van Dijk, maybe one person who wasn't sluggish was Van Dijk and the Liverpool keeper Alisson, who, who I thought were probably the standout 
without having loads to do, they were probably the standout players, and Alison made a few important saves there. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I met up with a few of my former Spurs colleagues at the game, and when I say at the game, I actually went to, to the new Spurs stadium with the best part of 60,000 other Spurs fans and sat in the stadium and, and watched it on big jumbo screens there. So that was a great experience. But you know, I spoke with a few of my, uh, my former teammates and we said, well, you know, who were the standout players? Um, and you know, the, the, the two that you mentioned, I thought Alisson probably in goal was the standout player. Van Dijk looked good. I thought Mane for Liverpool was lively at times. And then for Son, uh, for Spurs, maybe Son in the second half for a short period of time looked like he might do something. But there were just, you know, people talk about players not turning up for a game. Well, there were just too many players in both sides who didn't turn up and perform. Yeah, you said you watched the game at the new Spurs stadium. What was that like? Well, first and foremost, it's crazy when you think about it. I drove down into London, parked up, got to the game and, and, and I... I sat in a fantastic stadium, but watched it on a TV screen. I could have done that at home, couldn't I? Really? But the, re the, real, the real reason for doing it was because I hadn't been to the new stadium. I wanted to see it, I wanted to experience it. And although I didn't do a full tour of the stadium, I can say honestly, it is the best stadium I've ever been in that I've ever seen. And arguably it should be when you look at the spend on it, you know, approaching a billion pounds by all accounts and the fact that it is the most recently built stadium for football in the world, um, you know, they should get better and they should be better every time they're built. And this new Spurs stadium is absolutely amazing. It's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, it's, it's, I know somebody else who's been who's not a Spurs fan and they were equally impressed. They said it was like no other football stadium they've seen. What, what particularly stood out for you was the certain aspects that, that made you think that? Oh. Well, I, I think number one, it's just the gen, the the overall quality of the place. So, you know, I was actually in the East Atrium on the second tier, uh, and you go through the, the the front entrance to that area. There's the security checks. It's like going through an airport, to be honest with you, to get in security-wise. Right. And then you get on the uh, escalators that lead you up and then up again, and then you enter into the bar area. Um, and you know the, the quality of the furniture, the, the number of um, bar areas and food eating areas, and the access into the stadium, and then the, the actual rake of the seats. You know, you sit in your seat, and it's not as if you've got to peer over the top of anybody. You know, the, the substantial steps, and probably the most impressive thing for for me was the um, it would be the south stand, which is a huge continuous tier which holds over 17,000 people. You know, I believe it's the biggest uh, tiered stand in world football. Uh, a bit like Borussia Dortmund have their, their yellow wall. Um, you know, this is White Hart Lane's wall of sound and uh, the acoustics in there were quite brilliant. Okay, slightly strange because all the supporters in there were Spurs supporters. Normally for a game, you have a mix of fans, but um, yeah, just, just generally the, the quality and it would appear everything has been covered. You know, even the, the pitch is retractable so it can slide off and they can slide in a, a synthetic pitch which is then, then used for the American football that's going to be played there on a regular basis plus other events such as concerts and what have you. 
I think Spurs have covered every base with their stadium. Yeah, good stuff. So just to remind you, you're listening to the final whistle and we're here talking with ex-England and Spurs defender Gary Stevens. He's normally in Wahin, but he's back in England just now. So how have you enjoyed being back? Well, I've been back less than a week um, and you, you don't really get too much jet lag when you're, you're travelling west, which is what I've, uh, what I've done. Um, so I've settled in nicely. I've got to spend some time with my mother. I've uh, seen my sister. Um, later this week, I'll be spending time with my two daughters. Um, obviously, I've caught up with uh, a bit of football here, some of my, my former Spurs mates and what have you. Um, so it's very nice. I've got a game of golf later this week, which of course I, I do quite regularly when I'm in Hua Hin in Thailand. Um, but uh, it's, it's nice to be home, but it's a bit chilly. Is it? You're feeling it? Yeah, it's the first thing I notice when you step off the plane. Yeah, definitely. I've put it this way, I've not got my shorts on today. <laughs> Normally when I, I go back and then come back, I return with like a suitcase full of, full of goodies. I'm talking like Eccles cakes, Cherry Bakewells. What are you going to be bringing back? Um, I'm bringing back <laughs> loads of peanut butter. Uh, is that and, your thing, uh, is it? Yeah, yeah that's, that's my thing. Well, and it's so much cheaper than buying peanut butter in Thailand as well. And um, cheese, that's the other one. Yeah. I'll have a nice selection of cheese coming back yeah. with me. Yeah, cheese is one for me. I know a lad over here who has, believe it or not, Greg's sausage rolls and pasties brought over for him on the plane, which I think is he's going some but yeah cheese yeah. is a, a regular one yeah yeah I, no I think I'd miss the the pasties and the sausage rolls out thank you very <laughs> yeah, much yeah he, he's a northerner though so perhaps a bit more understandable <laughs> uh, you normally stay in Wahin like I said what first attracted you to Wahin and how have you found it since moving since moving well, there well when I first came to Thailand I was based in Bangkok and to escape Bangkok um, it was suggested that Hua Hin would be nice you know on the beach seaside town very very well equipped, um, nice facilities, very peaceful and calm, obviously the King's Palace. Um, and so I started to come down once every four or five months to Hua Hin. And when I had the opportunity to um, come down on a, a permanent basis and pretty much make it my home, um, it, was, it was easy to do. And I, and I love it very much, you know, the sports facilities, the golf courses. Um, it's just a very peaceful, friendly place to be. Okay, good stuff. Have you? Oh, one more thing. Have you had fish and chips yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you do all the same expat chips. things we do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? Why not? Um, yeah. I uh, we actually um, we actually went to the seaside and we uh, bought some fish and chips, sat on the seafront, freezing cold, eating our fish and chips. But yeah. it was nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, Gary. Well, a bit different this week, but but a, a good one, I think. Uh, just yeah, before thank you very much yeah good stuff we'll wrap up now then okay and of course if i can just remind anyone who's listening if they want to get hold of me you can on social media on twitter and instagram my handle is at gary stevens uk and i'm also uh, have a website where people can contact me which is gary okay good stuff thanks gary Good to speak to you. Keep well. Cheers. Bye-bye. Final Whistle Weekly with Gary Stevens, a Tyvesa.com and Inspire Media production.